Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week we're taking a deeper dive into Jeremiah 33, which presents a vision of, of what God's promises will look like when they are fulfilled. Now, uh, Pastor Dina, Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet, although I believe you have a different name for him. The whiny prophet. Yep, there we go. Um, and this picture from Jeremiah isn't actually one of doom and gloom, which... Is kind of surprising. Yeah. Although it does, to understand it, we do have to get through some doom and gloom. What did you take away from the the promise of abundance coming out of uh, out of desolation? This passage. I think I think your first point really kind of summed it up that that really our situation is worse than we can imagine. And I think as a culture, as the church too, we do a really good job of pretending that's not the case i think especially at this time of year when immediately you know the the calendar turns to november one and it's holly jolly merry berry merry and bright everywhere there's no space for for the sadness that comes at this season because things have changed because children are grown and out of the, the house because the the traditions and the beliefs have have changed um, because there's the magic has has gone away as as kids grow and learn and and figure things out um, we don't give a lot of space to the difficulty that that life brings we we want we want people to be okay we want people to feel okay and we we kind of give this perspective that if you're not feeling okay you can work hard enough to get out of it and your your first point the situation is worse than we can imagine reminds us that that sin and despair and these these hard things are so ingrained into who we are that we can't we are incapable of working ourselves out of them and you know as we think about Jeremiah being the whiny prophet, you really get the sense of him saying, like, how many times do I have to tell you? And <laughs> as a as a parent and as a pastor, I that resonates. Like, how many times do I have to tell you to put your socks in the hamper? This is not new. This is not different. This has been the way it has been your entire life. Why? Why then are your socks in my kitchen? Come on. You know, <laughs> and we, we can understand that that perspective of Again, I have to, why do I have to say this again? How have we not gotten it? And that, of course, is a, a surface example, but how many of us are, are, are looking back at this past year knowing that the days are fleeting in 2023 and thinking, oh man, you know, I still haven't lost that weight that I wanted to. I still haven't restored that relationship. I still haven't gotten organized. I still haven't gotten better at my job. I... I'm still here. How many times do I have to tell myself that this is what I want to change before it actually sticks, before it actually makes a difference? And so I, I see in the midst of Jeremiah's beautiful picture, I see the despair here. I see the lament. I see the frustration in we're still here. We're still stuck here. Why? And, and maybe it's because God is a lot slower than we are a lot of the times, yeah. at least from our perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, so so when Jeremiah says desolation, 
Mm-hmm. He, he's really not exaggerating. No. I mean, th- this th- this really was hard to preach because, I, I mean, it, it's depressing to think about. Yeah. I think we want to have a, an idea about ourselves that like, no, I can get myself out of this. Yeah. But it, there, there is no working our way out of our problems. We make progress over time. We can change a bit over time. But our general situation never really fully resolves. I mean, there are always things that are that are on our heels that that we do, and just kind of tapping at our door. Um, whether they are those relational things, you know, there's a broken you know broken relationship that is just sitting there like a a festering wound, or whether there is a you know a, a job situation that just persists and persists mm-hmm. or whether it's an addiction whether it's a you know a, a a habit that you've just been trying like it it feels so impossible because you're right you do get to this time of year and you're like you know I was really going to deal with this issue that I was really going to deal with my debt this year mm-hmm. and here I am and incidentally someone did lose weight because I found it oh, okay there you so go someone lost yeah. around 10 pounds yeah there you go uh, um so good on you if you're the one who did that. Yeah. Yeah. And truly, I mean, I know our, our social media feeds are, are going to be filled in the next weeks with so long 2023, don't let the door hit you. 2024 is going to be my year. And yet. <laughs> for what? For, you know, we, we know that, you know, in, you know, 11 and a half months after that, it's going to be the same all over in those, you know, those same. Goodbye 2024. Yeah. Um those same problems, those same, or, you know, if we do happen to manage some of the things that we wanted to do, new things are going to crop up and take its place that it, and, and as I said, the church has not done a good job of, of reminding us just how inadequate everything we do and everything we bring and everything we try to do can be because it's, because it stinks to hear that. It doesn't preach. No. <laughs> like, I, it, because I've, I've thought about this, like, how do you convince, how do you convince a patient that they're actually sick? Like, yeah. Like when they feel fine, when they, when they don't feel the pain of the illness necessarily, how do you convince a patient that they're sick? That's, that's what I feel like at times. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like there are some people that are like, I don't know what life you're talking about, but mine is just perfectly fine. Please don't bring your negative energy in here. Yeah. Yeah. And so often when we hear even even feedback about our sermons or, or other sermons like, oh, yeah, that sermon made me feel so good. Well, great. But, ugh, you know. Was it designed to? <laughs> right. Um, there, you know, there's so much. There's so much to not feel good about and I know the church gets criticized for for harping on sin and for for that negative kind of perception um, because it's not popular because it doesn't make us feel good and yet we have to reckon with that to hear your second point was that the future is so much better than we can imagine the solution is so much richer than what what we could even think about like we are our rational created brains really cannot even fathom 
all that God has in store for us. And that's a pretty humbling and breathtaking and hopeful kind of perspective. If you can really lean into both that, Mm. that nothing I do will ever make me not the sinful person that I am. And yet there is a God that loves me so much that has something in store for me that is beyond anything I can fathom. And I think we get glimpses of it, uh, you know, as you had mentioned in the middle of Jeremiah where, uh, in the middle of this passage where it, it talks about um, the the sound of joy and gladness, the voices of the bride and the bridegroom, the voices of those who bring thanks off, thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And I think in the midst of worship, hopefully, there are there are moments when we feel that connection in the midst of our relationship with other people. There are are moments when we feel, yes, this is th- this this connection, this deep kinship with one another is what I want. And and you know, you had mentioned that that the restoration is in three realms with God, with humans, and even with creation around us. And that's that sense we get when we're, when we're standing on the edge of the ocean and it takes our breath away, or we see Mm. the beauty of, of nature, of the sunset, of the Grand Canyon, of a rainbow. And, and we get this glimpse, but that's not where we spend most of our time. Yeah. And, and, and to clarify, uh, because I didn't say it in the sermon, it was, it was in the, the, the pre-podcast mm. discussion, um, you know, I, kind of the way I describe it, redemption is a kind of a tripartite thing where there's redemption between God and humanity, amongst humanity, the relationships amongst humanity, and the re- relationship between humanity and the rest of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those, all three of those get, because I think most of the time when we talk about it, particularly in American tradition we talk about the restoration between uh god and humanity which mm-hmm. which is a a good thing the the liberal strain of uh, of american christianity generally talks about primarily about the restoration uh, among the other two i would say um or at least emphasizes those two the restoration among humanity and the the restoration between humanity and creation uh, i come out of a strain of course that emphasizes that personal salvation yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's all three of those things. And it's, it's, you know, it, it, I, we joked about the fact that it's uh, kind of like in cartoons that, you know, heaven is really, you know, you die and it's like the cartoon where Wiley Coyote or whoever floats up to yeah. heaven and has a harp and a, in a white toga as well. Yeah. Um, but when you read this part of Jeremiah 33, you know, um, uh, voices of joy and gladness voices of bride and bride bridegroom people worshiping like it sounds like real life yeah like there there are relationships and there are celebrations and there's happenings and and there's worship and and you see all these things and they are they're happening um it's not just this disembodied kind of angelic choir it's yeah. it's life in, in the flesh. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to think that, that the restoration that is coming will be all the, the best parts of, of this world that those moments where 
where the spirit does break in, where, where our hearts truly worship, where, where a prayer feels especially real and, and heard and like it, that it feels like communicating with God and not just talking into the, the wind, um, those moments of joy. And, and I love that he brings out a bride and bridegroom because, you know, you think of, of the joy of a wedding where everyone has come together because they love these two people that are getting married and that, that spirit of, of unity and joy and hope at the start of this new life together. I think, I think those things give us just a hint of, of what this full restoration must feel like. Like, I don't think God has left us, left us without any witness to it, but we also, as you mentioned, kind of where you ended the sermon, we can't, in so many ways, we can't even imagine what it's going to be like to be free enough to think about these things, to enjoy each other, to enjoy creativity, to enjoy worshiping without the burden of our sin and our shame and our shortcomings and, and all the things that hold us down right now. But that's the, that's what Jesus came for so that, that we do have the hope of imagining that someday. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's so hard to even conceptualize because it's a phrase I used recently. It's the, the fish trying to, to describe the water. Mm -hmm. Um, we just know life as it is. We know it as in its broken format. And we, uh, especially as if you get older, you start to realize how broken it is as your body starts to wear down and you're like, Oh, I can't do what I used to be able to do. Yeah. Um, and I say that even as I feel like I'm probably at the strongest point I've ever been in my life. Even so my body still can't do some of the things that it used to be able to do naturally. Um, and, you know, I think it's just hard to understand and we accept so much of it as given, whereas God in, in the text never takes the sinful, broken world as a given. Like, that was never the intention. That was never the design. Um, and we have to be reminded of that. Um, otherwise, you know, the question becomes, what does, what does life actually mean if there isn't something like this vision to, to, that will occur in the future. I mean, what does, what does any of our attempts mean if there is no future purpose? Um, and go ahead. I know. I think, I think about that a lot when I'm presiding at funerals or when something really terrible happens in the world that, that even if I can't even fully imagine what, what awaits us, I'm so glad I have faith that there is because if not, what am I going to preach? What am I going to say? What hope do I have standing next to that casket, standing facing this grieving family, hearing the headlines of, of yet another violent act in a school or, or whatever, that, that somehow knowing that this isn't the final expression of who God is and who we are, is some days feels like the only thing kind of pulling me forward because if this is all there is then no thank you 
<laughs> well, and so you bring up a good point uh, because you and I get the experience of doing funerals. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a funeral home more than the average person, yeah. I think. Um, particularly when I was out in Illinois, I probably did about 10 to 12 funerals a year. Wow. Um, and so I, I had a fair amount of experience mm-hmm. in these situations. And it's kind of painful actually to watch as a family tries to grapple with death. Yeah. And, and all they have are the platitudes or, um, all they have is kind of like, well, he, this, this is the the most painful part when I sit down with a family and I, and I say, uh, I'll ask them, you know, tell me a little bit about your loved one. You know, what was he or she like, you know, what's your best memory Mm -hmm. of them? Or what do you think of when you think of this person? And the number of times that people have looked and I realize it's a time of grief. So yeah. Yeah. But they'll just look and they'll be like, well, he was a good guy. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like 80 years of life. And, and that's what it comes down to. Like, and the, the frequency with which I heard that sort of response where it was like, well, just a good person. Uh, um, and you know, it's, it's painful because you, you're, uh, for me, it causes that self-reflection where I, uh, I want to say, I don't, I don't, when I die, I don't want someone to just say, oh, he was a nice guy. Yeah. I know my husband and I had the opportunity to attend a funeral just two years ago, right around this time. It was, it was beginning of December and, and the reminder came across my timeline of this person's family. So I was thinking about it and hearing, hearing the testimonies about her life at the funeral was so humbling because so many people spoke of her faith and the way that she led people to Jesus mm. and, um, and her, her courage battling cancer, but not courage born of her own strength, but of a strength of God. And and we, we, my husband and I looked at each other and kind of said, that's incredible. Like, that's what we want. Would you, we kind of asked, like, would, would people say that about me? How mm. would I, you know, how would people speak of my life and my witness? That's, that's what I want. I mean, not that we had wanted her situation to end up in that, but how blessed we would be to, to leave that kind of legacy mm-hmm. it, and perhaps it was one of the first times at a funeral that I really heard a a testimony to someone's faith and not just the joy that they brought to the family or to the, the the lovingness um and there's there's been a few um but it really was kind of a breathtaking reminder of what is enduring we don't we, we don't do funerals very well i mean no. they're not the community events that they they once were no um and even people in the funeral industry will tell you that it's it's changing man i feel like we should have had a content warning on this for depression this is a like bummer. If, <laughs> if, if you've seen inside out depression is squarely at the helm here yeah um but it it, it but I, th- I think we have to grapple with that and grapple with the with the difficult parts of our existence to to help bring 
meaning and purpose and understand that that God wants to look into those areas too and bring as as this passage talks about something out of the nothingness yeah which is what you know he he talks about the fact that out of this this place this desolate place and anytime something um anytime something is repeated or restated in the old testament particularly that's that's kind of a a, a key that you should pay attention to this mm-hmm. uh you know and so at the beginning you say about this place it is a desolate waste comma without people or animals i'm like okay i know what a desolate waste is like, yeah you know and he he goes on to dis- describe it and be like there is nothing it's totally empty um and yet the the promise of of this future reckoning where where something will be brought out of the nothingness which really which really mimics the the creation account mm-hmm. where something is brought out of the the nothing the tehom the watery chaos yeah uh, which is sometimes my life yeah. a watery chaos yeah, true <laughs> um for me not i'm not speaking in your <laughs> life i'm just saying it's true for me too well we both have swimmers in our family yeah. so you know yeah. there is watery chaos that that all the time all the time um and i can tell you it stinks a whole lot less than hockey yeah yeah um, we're lucky in that we have swimmers and dancers so we haven't hit the level of stink that some people do oh but. man anyway but yeah <laughs> but this this something out of nothing um this the the classic latin ex nihilo uh creation from nothing um is in there but we have to recognize that our current existence is nothing outside of some sort of purpose or future that that gives it a particular meaning mm-hmm. and i think you know, when I talked about the hope that leads me forward in, at, at funerals and, and in terrible things, it is that idea that even out of the most broken, even out of the nothingness, even out of the worst things you can think of, somehow God is going to redeem those things and there is hope waiting on the other side. And I think that's what allows our spirit to to say like, Jeremiah, give thanks to the Lord Almighty. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. Because there are certain, there are certainly moments and seasons of life where where it does not appear that God is good, and mm-hmm. and that's true in twenty twenty three. It was also true in the Old Testament. I mean, there are moments of of judgment. We saw it a bit last week when God promised that there was going to be punishment coming, and of course we saw glimpses of goodness as that was staved off for um for Josiah but you know there are moments when it is really hard to say God is good and God's love endures forever but the hope that that out of the nothingness out of the the desolation the destruction the the utter ruins of the world around us that that God is still doing something in the midst of that and maybe you know, as and as we wait in advent as we as we think about Jesus i think that's an important thing to lift up because so often we we jump right to the the birth of who Jesus was and then 30 years later to his ministry but to to really think through that idea that that god started something that that this was the 
that God acted in the midst of of all these things that Jeremiah was was whining about and and <laughs> weeping about. I mean, what? And I do like calling him the whiny prophet, but that really that makes him sound selfish and but and God. weak. Yeah, but I mean, he really did have his heart broken for the people around him, and I think I think that's a call for Christians today too to really to have our hearts broken for the world around us and and to point people to the hope that that God is good and God's love endures and out of this desolation something is going to happen that that you will be redeemed in this life and the next that you won't always feel this way and and maybe especially as I work with youth and middle schoolers like this isn't this I, I like telling them this is not the sum of your life like you won't always feel this awkward that you know not having a date to the prom is not going to hurt this bad forever and yes it hurts right now and but but somehow God is with you in the midst of this and God is good and out of all these heartbreaks out of all this sin out of the betrayal of your friends God is going to redeem that and and you will see it looking back maybe not right now and maybe not for 30 years from now but you will see God's hand in the midst of of all that you're you're doing leading you to something that's beyond what you can imagine before we hit record I mentioned a song by Sovereign Grace Music it's on the Heaven Has Come album which is actually a, a Christmas album um but uh the song Glory in the Darkest Place um, it's track 10 actually on that album. I'd, I'd recommend it because it, it deals with this, this sense of, of longing. And I don't want to say it's almost depression because, you know, this, this, this sitting in, in the difficulty of the world and realizing that it's in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that nothing that, that, that Jesus came mm-hmm. t- to bring hope um it, it was in the midst of hopelessness that you bring hope not in the midst of hey everything's fine yeah i'm fine you're fine we're all fine yeah and of course you know for a middle schooler that looks like betrayal by a friend or not having a date to the dance or not getting into the classes that you wanted it, you know it looks very different for an adult whose marriage is falling apart despite all the things that they've tried to do to save it or other relationships that fall apart or children that are not following in the ways that you had hoped or finances that despite every effort are still not coming together and there's still month left over at the end of the paycheck that that we this idea that this this suffering this darkness this grief this idea that the night is long is is common to every place we are in our lives mm-hmm. and this is the hope that that jesus came to bring i think of the young adults who may be wondering why did i just spend the last four or six or eight years of my life mm-hmm. getting degrees for something that now i i've got to go do a low-paying job to yeah to even get to where i want to be yeah you know why do i have all this debt what what did i do did i make the right choice yeah i remember i i babysat in the time between when I graduated from seminary and and started a church and I I mean I remember thinking like I just paid a whole lot of money for a master's degree to babysit 
to watch mm. the wiggles, you know. Um, <laughs> and and of course, you know, looking back, it was it was a short time. I think it was about a year and a half total, not even because I I stayed where I was after I graduated and through the summer. But um, yeah, it, it's it's frustrating or, or or to think you know I've been I've been sold a bill of goods I've you know I was told that this career would be fulfilling and and here I am you know working from 6 a.m to 6 p.m it's dark when I get in it's dark when I get out I don't have time for a family my, or relationships or fun or enjoyment and and I'm still not making enough money to to make ends meet um so yeah the I think again to come back to your first point the 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 situation is so much worse than we can imagine and it, and that's true for everyone that's true for each and every one of us every age every situation even if your your marriage is intact and your your job is reasonably fulfilling we all have places where we're broken where where relationship is broken with god with one another you know uh, the number of memes that that joke about you know, when I lay down at night, my brain wants to remind me of that thing I said 27 <laughs> years ago. It's true. I mean, we all have have memories and thoughts and, and words we've said and things we've done that make us cringe. And you think, did I really do that? Did I really say that? Oh, my gosh, I'm I'm terrible. I'm the worst. But with the inbreaking of the kingdom, with this promise of, of restoration, the future is so much better than we can imagine that we don't we don't even know really what it's like to have complete and total relationship and connection with other humans and I know before we started and maybe even as we were talking like we get glimpses of that we get in our I think in the marriage relationship in the parenting relationship in those moments of friendship where you feel that that kinship, that bond, that connection, that late night talks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, to me often, you know, in laughter when, you know, <laughs> when everyone is, is just laughing and joyful, we get glimpses of that, but, but we don't live there all the time. I mean, they're just, no, they're glimpses. Yeah. Yeah. And the same is true of our relationship with God. As I said, you know, sometimes we get, we get the sense that our worship really matters, but that's not all the time and sometimes it does feel empty and it does feel broken because we just can't get there on our on our own um so we need someone or some you know we need god needed to act in some ways and we needed a priest and we needed a king and we needed this savior that whose birth we celebrate in in such a profound way at this time of year um it's it's humbling to think how badly we were in need. Yeah. And, and and that can, if you really think about it and you're like, wow, it, it, it can be really depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and no joke, like, wow, I, I just wanted something that I could do. Um, but you, okay. So, but there, there is hope. It does come through Jesus. And you reference the, the verses 17 and 18, uh, and I cut a whole section mm-hmm. on that because um, I read that. I don't know how you, how did you read those two verses? Did it, did they strike you as odd in the midst of? 
because um, it, it says for, for this is what the lord says david will never fail to have him because he's talking about the days are coming when i will fulfill the good promise i made to the people of israel and judah for this is what the lord says david will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of israel nor will the levitical priests ever fail to have a man stand before me uh and i'm like wait what <laughs> yeah and i guess especially in light of, of last week and talking about with the exception of josiah just how terrible the the kings were you know in some ways it's kind of like well what what difference will that make they've already shown how terrible they can be so you know just because they're on the throne doesn't mean anything really um so yeah when i read this i didn't i didn't quite know what what to do with it i mean there's an element of of promise yeah but so, so yeah. I, I i wrote some notes for myself because i thought about taking the sermon in this direction and then i was like you know what as soon as i say levitical priests oh. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like that's gonna be it like how to lose a congregation in five seconds or less um but this these two things really have to do with they're not just random promises that God made because we, we know the covenantal promises that David will never have a man to lack a uh, lack a man to sit on the throne you know that was a promise made to David in the Levitical <laughs> sorry I just had a stroke there um the Levitical priesthood is like why would we keep that around like of all the things like that does not scream laughter and joy to me um but they have to do with our needs as people um and they have to do with our needs as creatures. Um, you know, okay, so we just spent a whole lot of time talking about the depressing fact that we can't rule ourselves. We mm-hmm. can't we can't govern ourselves in a way that that is is good or pleasing to God. <laughs> Sometimes we can't even govern ourselves in a way that is good or pleasing to one another. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, and so when we look at that, uh, the, the king is who is going to rule us? Like, if we can't do it ourselves, then we need someone who is able to provide that structure and that guidance and that that authority in our lives that that we have tried to fulfill for ourselves, but is, is lacking. Mm-hmm. And we have shown over the centuries and over the millennia that it is lacking. And we just talked about that, and we can bemoan that. Like, can't I do anything right? Well, the, the whole promise of the you know the kingship in israel was there because because the people wanted a ruler such as the other people had before that they were ruled by god through a judge who brought the word of the lord the judges were a lot like were closer to a prophet than a king Mm -hmm. um they were just there to bring the word of the lord to the people um and but god was the actual ruler of the nation and so we need a king who is who is yes able to rule but who is also perfectly just Mm -hmm. and so you know we find that fulfilled in jesus he's in the line of david you know matthew takes pains and actually luke they do a genealogy and most of us look at the first 17 verses or 16 verses of matthew and we're no 17 and we just look at it and we're like uh yeah no i'm not reading that (laughs) or it's like background 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 get to the good part yeah okay okay there's joseph and mary i recognize yeah. them um and you know the, he, they're just trying to prove some ancient point that doesn't matter well no what they're showing what matthew is showing there is that jesus is actually a descendant of he is actually the king who is able to rule us but also be one of us as well 
mm-hmm. and is able to exercise authority in a way that is good and is just and is benevolent and is righteous. Um, he isn't just going to muck things up the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the king side. You know, we need something to rule us. Um, otherwise, we just rule ourselves and that's... Yeah, we've seen where that ends up. Exactly. So that whole Levitical priesthood thing. Um, you know, back in Genesis, <laughs> a couple years ago, yeah. um, you know, we were able to walk with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as sin was introduced, we needed some sort of intermediary. And, 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 and even God... Um, even God, uh, um, yeah, God said to, to Moses, like, you, you can't, st- no one can stand before me and live. Yeah. Um, and I think about, here's a great little analogy. All right. Um, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? Yep. Okay. So Peppermint Patty invites herself over <laughs> and Charlie Brown is like, what am I going to do? And creates this ridiculous Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> of the buttered toast, yeah. like the Sundays. By the way, why did no one touch the Sundays? Uh, yeah. Jelly beans and like some uh, some uh, pretzels and whatnot. Um, and Peppermint Patty gets upset and has to have, um, oh shoot, Marcy go and speak to Charlie Brown yeah. to start to patch things up. She needed an intermediary, as she put it, because she she would just mess it up anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the same idea on a funny level between us and God. We need some sort of intermediary. We need someone who can who can do the back and forth, who can speak to God for us and not mess it up. Um, and that was what the priesthood did. The priests were there to provide the sacrifices, to speak to God and to speak to the people, to be that intermediary so that the relationship could be restored in some way, shape or form and be functional again. Mm-hmm. We still are sinful. So we still need an intermediary. Um, but obviously the human ones didn't work quite so well Yeah. as well. You know, the, the human King David, he messed it up. The, the Levitical priests, they messed it up as well mm-hmm. at times. And so we need this priest who's able to speak to God on our behalf in this time before we're actually fully redeemed again. Um, and and there's a day when, when we won't need that again. But in the meantime, we need this priest to, to, to offer some form of a sacrifice. Well, in Matthew's, um, in Matthew's genealogy, um, one of the things we see is Jesus is not only a descendant of David, but he's also a descendant of a man named Zerubbabel, mm. who was a Levitical priest mm-hmm. and who rebuilt the temple. Yeah. And so Jesus is not just the king who can rule us then, but he's also this priest who can speak to God on our behalf. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think especially in the Protestant tradition, we don't, we don't quite know what to do with that, that because that's not that's not common to our tradition Mm. and yet to think of the fact that we can we can approach god with our prayers with our concerns directly because jesus was willing to do that for us you you bring up a good point because i've heard so many times you know um like when protestants talk about catholics going to confession they're like well Mm -hmm. i don't need a priest yeah the answer is yes you do yeah 
The difference is we put that on Jesus. Right. We don't, we don't put another human in that, in that spot. Correct. And and so I, I think that's a correction that, that as Protestants, we need to, to make and say, we're just under, we both, we actually both agree that Mm -hmm. we need some sort of priest, some sort of intermediary. We just disagree about who that person is. Um, and, and, and so that was a really, really long background to say that, that Jesus is fulfilling a, is fulfilling parts of our lives that we could never fulfill for ourselves. The, Mm -hmm. the, the ability to rule ourselves, the ability to speak to God on our own. Um, you know, when thinking about uh, when Isaiah was lifted to the throne room of God, yeah. You know, I you know, we can talk about like what would your reaction be if you got to see God, and some people are like, "Wow, this is amazing," and "Ooh, this is a," you know, yeah. or some people would be like, "Oh, my, oh my," or whatever. And Isaiah, his first reaction is, "Woe to me, for I'm ruined." Yeah. Like I don't think many of us would say that we would be ruined. No. But he had a distinct awareness of. Because he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yeah. Um, but he understood that that sin just couldn't stand. And it wasn't even just his own. It was his people's too. Yeah, that that the world was so broken, including him, that that how could he even be in the presence of this completely holy God? And yet we've also we've also known God to be completely loving, which is why Mm. God wasn't content to just let us feel ruined. And I think we need to feel that, that sense of inadequacy, of despair, of depression, of, of nothing we can do can make this right to really fully appreciate the lengths God went to so that we didn't have to stay there for all eternity. And I I feel like I need to say, too, like the fact that, you know, I'm not nerding out on this because it's like a, a theological equation yeah. that balances. But what it means practically is that, one, we're not alone. Mm-hmm. God isn't like, you're redeemed, now go figure this out on your, on your own. Right. That's how we got into the situation in the first place. What it's saying is that God is saying, you're redeemed so that I can help you do what you were never meant to do on your own, but I was meant to be there with you. And it also means that, that you can speak to me. Yeah. Like we're on, we're on speaking terms again. Yeah. And I think, I think of the passage in Hebrews where we have a priest who's been tempted in every way as we are, and yet is without sin. Like we, we now have an advocate, a priest who, who knows intimately what what we're feeling, what we're experiencing, the brokenness, and yet is is outside of that enough that we are able to be helped in those moments in that in that in that situation that we're unable to make a difference. Jesus is able to make a difference before us because he knows so intimately all that that we've experienced and all that we've lost and broken in the world through through sin okay so i'm smiling because do you remember the commercial i think it was for geico uh a few years ago when they're like uh 
when they had a drill instructor as a therapist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like, it's like the difference between that and having a therapist that was like, I know what you've been through. I know this is hard. Yeah. Like the, the a therapist that's like, just suck it up. Like, yeah. Like you, you quit being a crybaby versus a therapist. that's like, no, I know what this is like. Like it, you, you know, for example, for, for me, like one thing could be like, I, I, it's like, I'm addicted to like sugar <laughs> and I have this, and at times I'm like, why can't I just not eat a freaking cookie? Yeah. And, um, you know, I had a, a, a member in my last church that would just, if he wanted to stop eating, he could, and he didn't understand why anyone was overweight. Yeah. Um, whereas there are people that are like, no, I get it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a powerful force. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that's, that's kind of the difference. What yeah. you're talking about that, that high priest who has been tempted. Right. Who knows who, who isn't, isn't just trying to say do better, but but saying I've been where you are. I know the pressure you're facing. I've done better. So it's okay that you can't, um, but not, and I know we talked about this a bit in a, in the, pre-recording but not in a way that then we can throw up our hands and say well then if I can't actually do better then why don't I just do whatever I want right now you know if Jesus is going to make it okay anyway then why do I even try and and we can tie ourselves up in knots thinking about the the relationship between works righteousness and obligation and and wanting uh, you know and and working out our salvation but knowing that that our work will never really amount to to anything, but that doesn't give us an excuse to not show forth what you know, show have signs of our faith and and efforts of our faith. Yeah, Jesus didn't say go and do anything you want. He said go and make disciples. Yeah, teaching them to be- obey everything I have commanded you. Yeah, and 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 love other people and do the hard work of of welcoming the people that maybe you don't want to be around as much and, Mm. and worship God, but not, not in this showy way that, that you have been doing, but in a genuine way, all these things. Yeah. As I said, I mean, we can tie ourselves up in not think, not thinking about how that all that we do ultimately does not save us. Jesus is the only one who could do that and yet we're called to to strive and work and show our love for Jesus by following his commands by worshiping God by presenting ourselves to as as sacrifices to the priest and king who ultimately did it for us yeah but again those are hard theological twisty things so they're hard to talk about and they're hard to they're hard to understand and yet that that's the good news of of Christmas that's the good news of the incarnation that God didn't wasn't just content to say oh well it's messed up can't do anything about it (laughs) but um, but instead came to be with us which is is more powerful, I think, than we often take time to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I think we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. 
that could be a totally different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I think we ended on a far happier note than we started on. Mm -hmm. Again, content warning, depression. Um, but I mean, that's that's kind of the direction that the Old Testament has, as, as our behavior spiraled downward as the people of God, uh, you know, it's just, there's more and more to lament. Mm-hmm. Um, so as there's more pain, there's more lament. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, there was, there was more lament in the, the Old Testament. And, you know, today there's no shortage of things to lament either. So that's right. So we, we can definitely identify, I think, with where the, the people of Israel are as they're hearing this promise of good news. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope that that gives you a bit of hope uh, that we take you through the, the despair and see that there is something on the other side. It's not us. It's it's fully Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is a hope for a future in which this pain is indeed wiped away, as, as Revelation 21 promises. Um, so I think that's a, a good note to end on yeah. uh, after a whole bunch of sour notes. Yep. Um, <laughs> so everyone go home and eat a bar of chocolate <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and uh, thank Jesus for the chocolate and for the hope that he offers. But we hope that this episode has been helpful to you. We hope that it does deepen your faith in Christ and, and give you the hope of Jesus in your life. Uh, and if you found this episode helpful, would you leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? There's nothing that we would love more is for than for other people, more people to discover the hope of Jesus Christ, to expand Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. Also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. They've been releasing irregularly. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> that's again, that's my fault as I as I engineer things and and try to get them together. But subscribe, and that way, anytime an episode comes out, you can uh, you can get it. We will probably have at least a week hiatus over the New Year's mm-hmm. uh, for vacation and so on. Um, but we will return after the first of the year. There'll be a couple more this, this season, but just letting you know, we really appreciate your listenership. We really appreciate, uh, your faith, but until next time, I'm Pastor James and I'm Pastor Dina, and we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. <laughs>